good people. We're back with another episode of the No Good People podcast, celebrating good people and good conversation. Today's guest is Mimi Colette Dixon, manager of brand equity and activation at Crayola and the woman who spearheaded developing Crayola's 24 diverse new colors. In 2020, according to a press release, Crayola, known for the iconic Crayola crayon, launched 24 new specially formulated crayons, which were designed to mirror and represent over 40 global skin tones across the world. Mimi is highly motivated and dynamic thought leader with 20 plus years of expertise in consumer shopper and sports marketing for leading global brands. Mimi is also one of the most beautiful and stylish thought leaders you'll ever meet and fearless <laughs> in the pursuit of what sets her soul on fire and gives her joy. This friends is my friend, the Mimi Dixon. <laughs> Welcome Mimi. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. <laughs> You're more than Thank welcome. <laughs> but it is also very true. So I'm so happy that you are joining um, the No Good People family and here to discuss your journey today. Yes, well, I, it's my honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me and to uh, give me the opportunity and space to share my story. So no, thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome. So Mimi, let's get to it. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, about your family. All right, so let's start. Let's start with uh, Camden, New Jersey. So born and raised in Camden, New Jersey um, to a, a single parent. My mother's name is Marilyn. Uh, she's actually a minister. Um, I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. My uh, first younger brother is Dwayne. He's a fire chief. Second younger brother is Lenny. Uh, he is a computer manager. And my, uh, my little sister, uh, her name is Nina. And I actually named her. That's my heart. Like I call her my heartbeat. And she's actually the first person that where God showed me he answers prayers because I actually prayed for her um and she was born and so I was like God does answer prayers so she was the first uh ev evidence to me that God answers prayers and she is my dog that's my friend she's the wind beneath my wings and uh helps to keep me sane so uh, she serves a very a very very important purpose in my life um I am the first to go to college in my family mm -hmm. so um and I, I'm going to pause there for a second and just say that was just that that was just very prolific. Um, just me being younger, growing up in lower income. So I remember lights and gas being cut off, water being cut off just because, you know, my mom was, you know, working really hard. She was trying to go back to school when she and my dad split up. And um, I just remember us not having. And so mm -hmm. just very early on, I just wanted better. I was like, I don't you know. I'm not sure what exactly that looks like, but I want I want better, um, you know, and, you know, when I'm successful one day, um, I'll know I'm successful when I'm able to go to Barbados. I was flipping through a magazine and I just saw, <laughs> I saw an image of Barbados. I said, one day I'm going here and this is going to mean that I'm, so I'm, I'm successful. Um, so when I graduated, I was getting ready to graduate from high school and I um, always did well in high school. I didn't really have to study hard. It just came easy. Um, I was like in middle school, I was like number eight. And they graduated like number eight from a cumulative grade at grade point average out of uh, maybe 300 students in high school. I was like number eight out of maybe 200 students. So something that, you know, 
I was smart, quote unquote, and um, everyone was talking about college. And I wanted to go to college, but no one in my family had ever been to college. So no one could talk to me about college and what college meant and you know how you navigate it and even how you get there. Mm-hmm. So I was applying to colleges. I had good grades, but um, I wasn't getting financial aid. And um, really? I, no, I was not. I would get partial. I would get partial. So I remember I would maybe get 40% scholarships, but no free rides, like none, <laughs> not at all. Wow. So um, I remember I kind of gave up. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay and help my mom. She needs some help here. I'm going to get a job and I'm going to stay and help her. My brothers and sisters are younger. They, they need some help. So I was actually going to stop applying to college. And I remember my mom filled out a financial aid form and um, she was filling out her income and her income. And this was in 1990 was $19,000 for a family of five. Whoa. And I didn't understand it then what that meant. Um, so now I, I carry that as a mantra now as, you know, you, you can make it right. I can't, I don't even think I could make it on $19,000, like to fathom that in my head and I'm by myself and she did it and she did it for a family of five mm-hmm. and you know, kudos and pay homage to, to my mom for, for making it work and making it happen. And she definitely sacrificed to make sure that we had better. So I felt like I had to do my part to make sure that we as a family have better and I have better to make her dreams for me come true. So I do carry that, um, you know, as a mantra, almost to the last day of school, um, there was a program called CHAMP, Creating Higher Aspirations and Motivations Project. And one of my girlfriends was going there and she was, um, they were helping her with her college applications. And so she's like, I have to drop one of my college applications off. Won't you come into the office with me? I was like, okay. So I went into the office and, you know, um, they were like, what's your name? <laughs> I was like, Mimi Dixon. They're like, oh my God, we've been looking for you. Really? <laughs> going to school? I'm like, no, I'm not going to school. I don't have money. They're like, you don't need money. Sit down. I remember that day. I must, I filled out like maybe five applications. It was like, like a third week of June. It was very late. And um, I was like, no, I'm not going to school. I don't have money. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You're going to sit down. You're going to go to school. You're going to school. And um, they made me fill out. I think I filled out five applications um, and I got accepted into all five mm-hmm. and made sure that I got money. So I had a choice. And this is back. This is like this again. This is that third or fourth week of June. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was late. It was extremely late. Um, but I was able to get in and I selected Rutgers. And not only Rutgers, I started at Rutgers. At the co- I came in as college engineering at Rutgers. And between what they gave me and some personal loans, and I was able to go to school and off I and off I went <laughs> and off I went, but I almost didn't go to school. Um, so that that definitely wouldn't fulfill my dreams or my mom's. Mm-hmm. So uh, University it was and um, I can tell you too, um, coming into Rutgers, one of the goals that I had for myself was if if I go to college, I want to become a Delta. I want to be a member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. <laughs> Talk to me about sororities and fraternities. Nobody in my family was one. I, I was blessed to um, be around women, whether it was in high school or a summer program that I was in. And I just noticed these dynamic women and they were strong and they were insightful and they were nurturing. And, you know, they, they didn't take, they didn't take stuff. Like they didn't take mess, but they were very assertive they were intelligent. And I was like, I, and I just noticed like, they're all kind of 
like not the same, but they had the same kind of qualities. And I was like, I think that I'm, I want to be one of those women. I think I could see myself as one of those women. And I found out that they all had Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated hmm, in common. Wow. So mm-hmm. I have to be one. So I got to <laughs> find out. So I started reading um, and just, you know, just understanding just more about it. And this was even in high school. So I knew coming in that I was like, I am, <laughs> this is a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have me and this fits in line with kind of who, who I see myself now and who I aspire to be. And this, this is definitely, you know, in a line, in, in alignment with that. And so this is definitely something that I, I want to, I wanted to do once I go to college. So, you know, by the grace of God and my big sisters before me, <laughs> university, I became a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So I have awesome line sisters and we you sure are, do. Yeah, they are this, they're awesome women. Just the chapter is awesome. It's, it's full of awesome women. Um, but bringing us together was, I would say was magical. I mean, we are definitely a family. Um, I don't consider them my line sisters. I consider them my sisters. And um, we've been through life um, you know, over 20 years, over 25 years and, and still going. So um, I, I can consider them like another, a whole nother set of family. Um, so it's been awesome to go through life with them. Um, and so then leaving Rutgers, um, I wanted to go to graduate school. Again, another place, another, I guess you could look at it as pioneering. No one, no one had been to graduate school in my family. So I'm the first to go to graduate school. Um, and so I went to graduate school at the University of Delaware um, in, um, in Newark, Delaware, I had an interest in state and local management, just how is government made? And so that's what I majored in. So I actually have a master's in public administration. So think of business administration, but for the public. Um, and I did that for two years. I actually um, had a, a fellowship at the House of Representatives for mm-hmm. two years. So at Congress, um, I was actually there when our current president, um, Joe Biden was there. He was the governor at the time. So I had a chance to meet him, kind of work underneath him. He actually sat in on my thesis, uh, my graduate school thesis. <laughs> um, mm. So that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, and so when I graduated from graduate school, I had the opportunity to either stay um, in Delaware um, in government. Um, I had an opportunity to go overseas um, and do some work on uh, state and local management there. Um, but my mom needed some help. Um, with family. And so I opted to come back to New Jersey. And um, I ended up temping at Campbell Soup, um, because I wasn't able to kind of transfer my state and local contacts into New Jersey. Okay. So six months temping, they created a position for me. And 16 years later, I was at Campbell Soup. So and I did everything there from manage our NFL relationships. So if anyone remembers the the chunky soup commercials with Donovan McNabb and his mom. So that was me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was me. So that was a, that was a great experience. That's where the sports marketing came in. Um, so I had a chance to work with Michael Strahan and like Jerome Bettis, like kind of those, those guys back in that era. Um, been to some Super Bowls and Pro Bowls, but um, again, just like a different kind of sl- slice of work I've done. Um, I've worked with the American Heart Association. Um, so I've done a lot of different things. Like I, I learned, I would say really my marketing kind of one-on-one, that foundational um, marketing knowledge, if you will, was definitely Campbell Soup. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm still pulling on that knowledge today. 
So I was there for 16 years. Um, I left in 20, I think I there in 1998. Um, and I left in 2014 and I went to Crayola. Um, why did I leave Campbell Soup? Um, I started to feel like a dinosaur. It was 16 years and I started to be the person that um, you know, kind of that older person that, you know, you go to that person for the history <laughs> and I just needed to be challenged. So I, it gets, it mm. got to be old where I know it like the back of my hand. And I was like, okay. you know what? Like the back of my hand, I, I need to be challenged and do some new and different things. And even though it's still marketing it's marketing for a different company, it is a whole different product. It could have different, um, different, um, retailers, different consumers, different targets, so even though it's marketing, it can look and feel very different. And that's what uh, Crayola provided. So Crayola, even though it's a big brand, it is a very small company. So it's more entrepreneurial, less process. Um, so you have a lot more autonomy and runway to kind of do your thing um, and, and go without a lot of process. Um, and then there's just this focus on kid, um, which is, pre is pretty awesome to know that you're putting out product that shapes um, and engages and drives kids' imagination. So that intrigued me. So, and I've been at Crayola since 2014. Um, and it has been, um, it has been a wild ride. I've had a couple like large promotions um, there. I had a, a promotion back in 2017 where we retired our color and we retired the color dandelion. And then we launched a new color. So we asked America to name the new color. So that was like a huge promotion in Times Square. Crayola had never been in Times Square before. So I would say I've done some pretty kind of noteworthy things at Crayola since I've been there. The last of which was is um, Colors of the World, which are the skin tone crayons that we launched in 2020. And um, I was able to bring in a beauty expert um, to help us with the development. Um, that was a first for Crayola. Um, Crayola not having ever opened up their R&D books before their research and development books, opened up their formulas and work with someone outside of the company. So that was a first. Um, but I also leveraged that product innovation to drive internal and cultural change from a diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion standpoint. And I definitely want to ask you about that. So hold off <laughs> yeah. on that for a little bit because yeah. I feel like that's a yeah. conversation in and of itself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I definitely want to, just so just hold off, you backtrack a little bit yep. for me so we yep. can, because um, I have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Um, Let's go back. So I'm going to take you back a little bit. And yeah. um, did your going to college motivate your siblings to attend college as well? And, and what about like younger family members or even older family members? Like, how did that inspire that? So the first thing I'll say is it, my mom, it, it, I would say it inspired my mom. So my mom was already going to nursing school when I left to go to college. And immediately when I went to college, I think she went to like junior associate college after that. So we mm -hmm. were both at the same time. So I think she already had a thirst for knowledge already. Um, and I think it just, it, I, I would say that she was, I would say I inspired her, but it was like to keep going, right? Okay. Like now I got, now my daughter, you know, who I would say we were partners in crime and kind of raising the family. I remember her saying that after my dad left, she said, look, you know, I'm going to need you. It's going to be me and you running this family. And I think I was like 12 or 13 at the time. Oh, wow. She said, you? Yeah. She, I helped raise my brothers and sisters um, after my, after my father um, was no longer in the house. So if my mom was working, going to school, kind of who was home cooking and cleaning and signing permission slips and doing lunches and so that I kind of lost my childhood a bit um, mm -hmm. to help raise my brothers and sisters. Um, I would not trade it for the world. 
um, it was important. Um, I felt like, you know, I was able to help and contribute and help raise my family up, help my mom do that. And um, I felt like I did a good job. (laughs) So, um, but I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back and trade it. So I would say, you know, we were partners in crime already. So us going to school together at the same time was another example of us being kind of partners in crime, if you will. Now, it's interesting. I would say my brothers and sisters didn't follow in my footsteps from a college standpoint. They kind of followed in my mom's footsteps from a service. So my mom is, so, um, so they went, if you think about like a fire chief or, you know, law enforcement corrections officers or even customer service, they went after kind of, you know, that, that service landscape, if you will, um, versus kind of school and corporate, but they went more into, into that vein. So that to me, doesn't surprise me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think I was the lone wolf that kind of broke off. I was like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> like I don't I, that's not what I want to do I, I see I see some I see some different things that I want there and that's not it I would say they definitely kept and stayed in vain of kind of what she kind of what she led and kind of who she is that service oriented so definitely but you I mean I think even in the work that you're doing right now you are servicing um a very well, large people right a large group well, of certainly. people that's and still so, there yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's still there. Yeah. Um, it's still there. Still, yeah. And, and so therefore all four of you are actually following your mother's footsteps. Absolutely. Most, no question most about certainly. it. Most certainly. It's still, that's very much foundational. Mm-hmm. It's foundational. Yes. So now, how, now, ahead, now, another question you may have is like, how did I, how did I even feel like I could do that? Right. Especially mm-hmm. coming from the inner city, you know, my us not having quote unquote lower income, and I even had, you know, growing up, I used to not like myself, right? I think I, I was too skinny. Um, you go back, you think about kids are getting bullied now, but we were, we were bullied back, back in the day, right? They didn't call it bullying. It was just like, right, hey, no. it's just being a kid, right? Like, that's just middle school. That's just high school. That's what it was. Um, I internalized a lot of what happened to me being younger. And um, I used to like, really, like hate myself. Um, I went through a period where I hated my name. I hated just everything about me. I was tall and lanky. And I just, you know, I remember like hating myself. And I went through a process where I wouldn't even look in a mirror. And I started to go through a process where I did this. I looked in a mirror and had to force myself to find something that I liked about myself. And so, and I used to struggle with it. And then I found one thing and then it was two things. And then it was where I could look in the mirror and love everything about myself. Mm -hmm. And that confidence, say help to propel me to be like yeah I can go off to college and 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 do this and and be successful right and I might fail at some things but I'm going to push and make it so I would say having to go through that process as a younger teenager helped Mm -hmm. to set me so to feel comfortable if you will with ambiguity but then also being a pioneer that's I think that's where that came from and that also you know I think having that kind of I've already hit rock bottom already. So I'm like never going back there. So I'm also, I'm my worst critic, but I'm also my biggest cheerleader. So I yeah, can, I, the, being in these spaces, mm-hmm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's comfortable, if you will. Where for some it's not, I think for me, it's it's a little comfortable because of that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the fact that you, you know, how honest you were about your circumstances growing up. Right. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't want to admit to the fact that, you know, they grew up in that situation um, and or even admit to the fact like, you know, hey, a couple of times we didn't have 
lights or we didn't have hey. hot water. You know what I mean? But it's a reality <laughs> it's that a lot true. of people deal with on a daily basis. Most certainly, most right? certainly, yes. And that also propels you to, that also drives you and it makes you who you are today. So I'll, I'll give you a real life example. I remember I was in a meeting with um, the head of Dollar General, and that's a retail store, um, that um, a value retail store. And we were talking about programming and this was back at Campbell's Soup. We were talking about a program for a soup and I remember the, the lead at Dollar General said, well, nobody in this room understands our consumer and our consumer base hmm. and the challenges that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. I raised my hand like, no, <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> and I've lived, I came from that background. So I, and I built the program. So that's the beauty of what I'm sharing with you today is that I built this program with that in mind because I did live it. I do have family members that, that are living it currently. And so I do have that eye to it. So not only do I, do I know your consumer, I was your consumer and I have family members that are your consumer. So that's, this is why this was built this way. So you can bring that to the table, you know, to the boardroom, quote unquote, right. And, and bring that to the table um, and, and have it be impactful. Um, and I, and I was able to sell it in, but again, but just, that was the purpose of it, but it was the purpose of, I know exactly who your target is because I was once your target. And what was the response? And he was like, well, and I mean, of course it was silence in the room because no one, like you said, we don't like, we don't like to share that about, mm-hmm. you know, about our like we, we, we want to be kind of who we are now, but it's really kind of who you were and how you grow up that brought you to where you are now. So that's very important. So of course the room was, you know, like shocked, like some of my coworkers were looking at me like, well, I didn't know that. But, you know, to your point, it was like, it was like, wow, I didn't realize, didn't realize that. Wow. You know, put another level of respect on top of that. Three, thank you for bringing that, you know, that point of view to the table and just, you know, just like, wow. <laughs> right. Four there are probably other people in that room that have the same experience, but not bold enough to share it. Well, one, exactly. Not bold enough. To me, this is who I am. So to me, there's, there is no hiding. That's who makes me who I am. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to hide that. I think to me, that's inspiration to show others that you can make it. You can be in these circumstances and look what you can become. But it also, to me, to the people who have already been, or maybe never had that experience, like that's how, that's how much more dynamic I am because I have that experience. That's right. Right. I have the experience that I share with you now, but I also have that too. And so to me, that makes me that much more well-rounded that I have that much more knowledge, that much more empathy, that much more understanding, right? I could keep going, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that, you know, that makes me that much more valuable um, because I've, I have that experience. That's how I look at it. So yeah, and, and people, and I think people really appreciate hearing other people's stories so they know that they're not alone. Yeah, definitely. Most certainly. Yeah, like people, it's, it's people see, I think what people see now, like that is totally <laughs> not, not how I started at all. And nor would I have ever thought I would be where mm-hmm, I am. Mm-hmm. That's really a blessing. So yeah. Well, and particularly definitely. if you look at social media, people think that that's how people start too right because exactly. everybody always shows like the good side of stuff and I'm like ah, oh yeah you know oh, yeah. you gotta know people behind <laughs> when the lights are off right exactly or, <laughs> like or, or in, a, in a good in the not not when you're happy like oh this is this, I had this happen I had this happen okay what do you look like when you have a bad day mm-hmm. what do you look like when your money ain't your money is funny <laughs> right 
does it look like, you know, when you had a deaf in your family? Like, it just looks very different. It looks right. very different. Or when so you're you experiencing an illness, it. right? Or some of Most certainly. Right? I mean, this, right. your life is very different then. It's very different then. And I think to your point, that's why I think social media, you have not to say you take it with a grain of salt, but you do have to take it with a grain of salt because you're only seeing one facet or you're seeing certain facets and you're not, you're not seeing the whole story. Right. And we only see what people allow you to see. And that's it. Right. Right. And it's often the shinier part. Correct. Right. Exactly. I mean, nobody's (laughs) getting on social media. I mean, at least not that I've seen crying all day long. I mean, you're not saying, you're not people talking about Um, like I gave up all my I gave up my whole paycheck away and I don't have enough money to pay the mortgage. Seen that, right? I'm gonna see that. (laughs) But we know what happens, right? Right, exactly. You know, you gotta take it for what it is, right? Exactly. And not compare yourself, don't try to keep up with the Joneses or yeah, keep up with Facebook because that is a misnomer. So yeah, very much so. Okay, so we talked about um, <laughs> talked about your siblings and your family, yes. um, but I you're going to be embarrassed by this question, but that's okay. Um, I want to talk about your style and fashion, and let me just say to my audience that Mimi has some of the most uh, striking, different, um, eclectic. Bold, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> um, items I've ever seen anyone wear, right? And I think what makes it so uh, incredibly striking to me is the fact that uh, Mimi has got to be pushing. Are you six two? I am five ten, but with heels, I could be six two or six. Okay, so let's let me back up. So with heels, <laughs> which majority of the time Mimi is wearing, I have one. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Mimi is, is pushing six, two. I had no idea that she was five ten. Like if you had ever asked me, if anybody ever asked me how tall Mimi, I would flat out say she's easily six, two. Um, so now I let me, five ten, yes. okay. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I do want to know about your style because it is really very stunning and it is incredibly yeah. bold. And I love Thank you. I love seeing you enter a room because you really do the command the space then when you enter it. Um, so talk to me about that. <laughs> Thank um, you. you know, why would, do you like to take, why do you like to take those risks? Risk. Yes, I would say, so there's two, there's two experiences that I can say shape that. The first one was fourth grade. There's a talent show and um, everybody partnered up. And so um, I couldn't be, I was told I couldn't be in the talent show because I didn't have a partner. So I came home and I was like, mom, I wanted to be in a talent show, but nobody wants to be my partner. And so, and they said that I can't be in a talent show by myself. So, you know, of course, my mom, first thing she does is call to school. So <laughs> she confirmed I that I can it. be in the talent show. You know, I, she, you can be in the talent. My baby could be in the talent show. You don't need a partner. So you can be in the talent show. You don't need a partner. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to be by myself. She was like, I got you. My mom sewed an outfit. She sewed this like little sequin, sparkly, whatever. It was like, I have, I have, I have, still have the outfit. That's like a picture in my, in my dining room right now, me and this outfit. So it's a little sparkly short outfit with like a matching top. My mom made me a cape. So it was the same material. I had a cape. So think James Brown, because that's the era she came from. Because she put some glitter on some shorts, some glittery shoes. She taught me a routine to bad man pajama. So think of this fourth grade coming out. I had a whole routine of dancing. She gave me this routine. I'm taking my cape off and dancing. At the end, I pick my cape up 
cape up and walk off the stage. And so, you know, I was a bit that night. I was a bad mama Gemma. So to this day, I'm a bad mama Gemma, whether you think so or not, I am, you know, because my mom said I was, <laughs> I believe that I am. And I want the no good people podcast is co-produced by Kennedy Gale productions and so very Vera productions music produced by Trevor Pitts of Pitts campaign music. The No Good People podcast can be streamed through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other selected streaming services. The second example would be, I told you the story of like not loving myself. And I would say this for the most prolific is I went through a time in my life where I allowed people to make me hate myself. I started, I listened to what people said about me. You know, you're too skinny. You know, you're ugly, you know, because I was nerdy you're too smart, you're tall, you're big bird, you're this. I mean, I can, you know, go on for days with the names that I was called. And I allow what other people said to me to permeate just my, what I thought and felt about myself to the point where I didn't love myself anymore. I mean, I used to hate my name. I used to hate my name. I remember asking God, like, why did you put me here? So Mm. once I got out of that era, I was like, I am never going back there. And I am never going to allow someone's opinion to garner who I am and how I love myself and how I show up in the world. And actually there's three, there's actually three things that, that govern that. So that's the second one. And I vowed to myself, I would never go back there. I would never have someone make me feel that I need to be less than, or I need to dim my own light. Never. Mm-hmm. I lived it. So the third one is, um, <laughs> and I would say thanks to thanks to Dub Super Theta. So I remember there was an experience where I didn't show up, and um, I I did I just didn't show up. And some of um you know my big sisters were there to to see me, right? They kind of heard about me and was interested in meeting me. And I punked out. I was scared, and I just did not show up. And I learned from that experience, and I disappointed them. And I never want to disappoint so I learned then is to always show up and be who you are because you never know who's expecting it you mm-hmm. never know who you never know who's relying on that you never know who's looking for you to, to, to show up show up and show out and just to be yourself and so through those three experiences they're like at the top of my mind like just like I related them out to you that is why I do that that is clearly who I am so I am comfortable. Like I, I have like no qualms about it. Like I'm not scared. Like, oh, should I wear this? Nope. <laughs> Just know that I, I was in the mirror before I came outside and I know what it looks like. I purposely put that together. I put I put it in the mirror. There are pieces. It was planned out. Like, yes, that was very purposeful. <laughs> I know what it looked like. And I know what it, you know, I know the impact. I know also too with me and me being tall that it stands out even more. But I think just because I had those experiences that I am, you know, and, and going back to two, being the first to go to college in a family, the first to go to grad school in a family, the first to, you know, uh, you know, to uh, be initiated into a sorority. I've had a lot of first and pioneering. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that space. No, I so love it. There's, you know, I love it. I don't know what people, and I know people are looking, I know there are sometimes when people are like, oh, you know, like I'm sure I'm getting, I get looks. I, my sister says to me, cause I, sometimes I describe myself to some people who don't know me. I'm like, Hey. I'm extra. I'm just letting you know. And my sister, do that. You are not extra. That is who you are. Stop saying that. You are not extra. This is who you are. No, you're not extra. Uh, they like it. 
period. And I was like, all righty then. So you either love it or you like it, you love it or you don't. But this is who I am and I am unapologetically me. <laughs> unapologetically me. That's the story that I'm an unapologetically Mimi, exactly. So like I said, you're either with it or you're not. <laughs> or you're not, that's right. And I think it's amazing. I love it. I love seeing you walk into a space. I mean it. <laughs> Um, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out where she goes, where she shops, how she does this. Um, well, I'm creative. So that's another piece. So I'm creative. So I dance. Clearly. I, sing, I, I, I do poetry. I, so some of it is just, uh, just creativity. So I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I can put that with that, do that and do this over here. So, but you know, that's just, my brain just works that way. So it works like that in business i.e. like colors of the world but it also works like that for clothes and shoes <laughs> and style too <laughs> so now that you now that i know that it works that way in your personal and your business let's talk about how that came up in the 24 diverse new colors yeah most certainly so let's go back to 2019 so it is pre-covid and um we had an opportunity with our largest customer which is walmart this is we as in crayola and um you know we're looking around we we crayola has the process where we're innovating and coming up with new products all the time mm -hmm. um we were around the the world and we're you know one you're noticing kind of trends so the world's becoming more diverse like generation z which is kind of individuals in there like younger like lower 20s um to about i think like 10 years old if i'm not mistaken um, they are, um, they are the most diverse generation that we've ever had. So we were seeing some research there and just the world in general becoming more, in general, becoming more diverse. There were some brands that are being more inclusive. Rihanna had come out with her, um, Fenty beauty line. Mm, yes. Which, yep. Foundation that was in 2017. Um, and then we, Crayola had a line of multicultural crayons already. So they had launched multicultural crayons unbeknownst to a lot of consumers back in 1992. Um, so we had crayons, markers, color pencils, and paint. And while there were some consumers that loved it, we did hear you know, some feedback from consumers that you know, there's not enough colors. Um, the colors were some colors that already existed. So what I mean by that is like maybe a burnt sienna or a mahogany. So those were some of the colors that made up that multicultural pack. Um, consumers wanted more skin, more real skin tones. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the crayons were named multicultural. And so they really wanted a better name because crayons aren't multicultural. Like multicultural isn't a thing. Like it's, so that wasn't really a, the most appropriate word for it. So um, we had the opportunity um, to, 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 to optimize. And I had a position and a point of view as to how we should do that. And so again, back to that kind of bold, bad mama jamma <laughs> style, <laughs> thing, you know, using your voice. Um, I, I went to, you know, my boss who brought it to me like, oh, we're going to be doing this. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I got to, I got to, I have a, uh, I do have a, a specific idea and a way that I feel that we should do this. And I feel very, very strongly about this. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, I feel very strongly about the way in which we should be doing this. And the next you know, there was a meeting um, on, and this is with leadership. So there was marketing leadership, research and development leadership, HR, creative, um, everybody kind of from all heads or functional areas across the country were in this meeting. And um, 
I basically laid out a strategy of kind of like, hey, here's kind of, kind of what's going on in the world. I didn't assume that everybody in the room knew. You can't assume that everybody in the room knows what's going on, right? Especially if they don't look like you. Right. So here's kind of what's had going on in the world. I remember showing them some of the mishaps that had happened with like the Gucci's and the H&M's and the Kate Spade's and the, you know, like this is happening. Like this has just happened this past year with some, these are some large brands. These are some large retailers that are going through this backlash right now because we have social media. And if you make a misstep, it's not a, it is not a misstep. This is national news when this happens and we're talking boycotts. And so there isn't really room for error. So Mm -hmm. we need to start from a place of inclusion and authenticity. So that was kind of the laying the landscape, like one, like here's the landscape. I want to make sure that you're aware of the landscape. One, two, here's how I think we should do it. And my thought was we need, we know color. Like I've said this, you've probably heard me say it, like we we're Crayola, we know color, but I felt there was nobody in the building that knows skin tone. I'm, I'm black. I don't know skin tone. Like I need, I know mine, but I don't know everybody. And so I felt like we need someone to help us with skin tone. Cause that's not what we're an expert on. We need somebody who lives and breathes 24 seven skin tones to help us with this. If we're, if we're developing skin tone crowns, we need a skin tone expert for that. And then at the same time, we need to walk the talk. So while we're doing, while we're working on this with a product for external, we need to bring someone who lives and breathes diversity and inclusion to come and take a look at what we're currently doing and assess it and then help us optimize it. So I, I proposed a two-pronged approach. Um, and I leveraged like uh, this number one opportunity that we had with our, with our number one customer at the time, Walmart, to drive internal change. So literally inside of an hour, it was like, yeah, we make sense. Like, we get it. You know, I fielded some questions and it was like, go do it, Mimi. <laughs> wow. So when I, you have a good idea. Please make sure that be you be ye always ready, um, and which I was. So I was like, wow. And so um, I set off to find our beauty expert. I had actually asked our PR, I had asked some of my agencies to take a look and find um, our partner. They weren't really being, they weren't successful in coming up with someone. Um, and so I'm a beauty girl. I love makeup. So back to that kind of <laughs> flashy and all that. So I started looking at the all the industries of and who I felt was the more were the more inclusive um, industries. And I blended on beauty and probably because more from a Rihanna's line. And so I started to look at her line and who was commenting on her work and their thoughts around D, diversity and inclusion. And I came across Victor Casal. Victor Casal started off with creating makeup for burn victims. Oh. So to me, empathy, right? And you're, you know, that is to me this empathy, but already you're looking at tones. And, you know, you're creating, you know, you're, you're creating a sense of confidence and self-esteem, you know, back with these patients who have suffered, you know, a, a great atrocity. So that, that definitely appealed to me. He also was the managing um, R&D director at Mac. So mm-hmm. Mac, you know, huge beauty company. They also have a large number of foundations and he was in research and development. That means he knows the formulas. He is the, um, he was the uh, co-founder and CEO for Cover FX. Cover FX is another beauty company, again, all about foundations. And they also had an expansive line. And so the fact that he was a co-founder and he was CEO means that he knows the business side of it. And he also knows marketing. 
So with those things, I was like, okay, it's a win-win-win. He's empathetic. Clearly he has a passion for diversity and inclusion because all of, you know, everything he's worked on has, uh, you know, this array or this large global palette of foundations. Um, and he has the science and he has the, the business know-how. So I found him on LinkedIn and I reached, I just sent him an email and I said, Hey, I sent him a message. like, Hey, I'm working on this project and I would love your insight. If you're interested, please send me an email. And literally the next morning, Vera, he was like, I hope this is the project I think it is. And literally inside of a week and a half, he was in our, our research and development offices going through um, formulas. And in a week and a, a half, in a week and a half, Vera, and I was still working on, I was still working on the contract. <laughs> I had just started the contract and he was already in the building, like working with our R&D department. Wow. Um, this even took our R&D team made up of males and females and even our marketing team, males and females on a field trip to Sephora and had men putting on foundation to find their color and skin tone. To me, again, so it wasn't just about formulas, but he was educating as well. He was educating and inspiring. And so, you know, men, they don't put on foundation. Like, why would they do that? Well, what do you mean skin tone? Like color matching? Like, what is that? But he actually took them through the process of what women go through to teach them like, okay, this is when we say skin tone and matching, this is what we mean. Finding your color, this is what we mean. And even men, but even those who have not been able, not had to do that, right? Those who've been able to take a box of crayons previous to Colors of the World and kind of find their skin tone. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the process of saying, hey, here's what, it, here's what it feels like to try to find your color, right? And so to take them through that experience. And so I thought that that was, you know, that was just awesome and eye-opening and dynamic. Um, the, second, um, the second expert I brought in, her name is Marjane. Her name, she is Marjane Moore Roberts. She is currently the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for um, IPG uh, Extra. At the time, she was the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Golan. That's Crayola's um, PR agency of record. And she was the former Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Yahoo. So I you know, reached out to her, um, gave her the lay of the land from my, my point of view. <laughs> like, hey, here's what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say is most importantly, I set up one-on-one interviews with her with our leadership team, including our acting CEO at the time. And I just wanted her to have a dialogue one-on-one just about diversity and inclusion, really like their mindset, um, but then also where they thought the company currently was and where they would like the company to be. And then from that, to kind of bring all that together to say, here's where Crayola is, and as well as look at what we were currently doing, and then come back and say, hey, here's where I think Crayola is on the journey based on my experience. And then here's kind of some things you can do to kind of, you know, you know, for recommendations for uh, like a one to five year plan. And that was awesome because it had, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't me driving it, but I had another person who lived and breathed diversity and inclusion talking to leadership um, about this important, important space. And so we had both of those things happening at the same time. And imagine we're still, now we're in the pandemic, right? And we're still putting out this product and we're still moving forward with our diversity and inclusion. Um, We launched Colors of the World back in May of 2020. So again, I I think we're like three months into the pandemic. Um, I can tell you, we did do consumer research. So not live, but we did do it online and we did do um, racially and ethnically diverse 
um, feedback to make sure every step of the way we got consumer feedback on the color, the crayon names, um, the packaging, uh, the colors, the everything. So this is really a product of the people. And, um, and then we launched at our, we launched at Walmart in uh, the summer of 2020, and it has been whirlwind and just widely received. It has won many marketing um, awards, marketing, packaging, uh, products, <laughs> um, diversity and inclusion awards. Like it's still, it's still just winning awards. And so it has been honestly uber humbling. Um, I didn't think that, and I knew that I was doing a service because I was doing it the right way. The principles that I instilled were inclusion. So this is a sense of belonging, which is more important to me than diversity. You got to make sure you have an atmosphere of inclusion, kind of first and foremost, acceptance, first and foremost, but then authenticity, credibility, and transparency. And so we can lift up the hood at any time and show you exactly what we did. We, we know we have experts to help us in that being credible and this being authentic and just real. And I think those principles have helped Crayola, you know, close of the world be exactly what it is today. And honestly, that is for me, Vera, a legacy project. I am so proud. Like every time you should I, be, I am just like tears come because I just never thought that it would be, I, I never imagined it would be this. And, um, and just uber proud and just kudos to Crayola because they, you know, took the time out to hear me out, um, to hear my point of view, um, and then to give me the runway um, to, to bring it forth um, with, a, with a great team of, of people. Um, so it has been honestly a blessing. And the last thing that I'll say is I am a spiritual person. So when God shows you he's in a mix, you, you, you follow. So this is truly a project, Vera, that God showed me on many different steps along the way that he was in a mix. So I was obedient. And look what happens when you're obedient. Well, if that's not inspiration, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, particularly to follow, to follow your heart, to follow your dream, right? Yeah. yeah. And to follow your instinct. And it's very clear, instinct, yeah. you know, that you did that. Mm -hmm. that you from the from yes. day one, when they mentioned it from to day you, one. from day one, you said, this is what we need to do. This and is you what we need to do. Mm -hmm. And you followed that. And I followed it. And I was true to it, like true to it to like a fault. Like this is what it needs to be. This is what it needs to be. And I remember even in that meeting, I remember um, the, our R&D director at the time said, well, I have experience. I have experience. I have you know, experience from Revlon. And I just raised my hand and came back and I said, again, no disrespect, because I believe you're in the meeting is to kick the can. That's why you're in these meetings. That's where you're at the table. You're supposed to work it out in the meeting, not leave the meeting and do it, but mm -hmm. work it out in the meeting. So I said, I respect that. But that was 10 years ago. We need somebody that lives and breathes skin tones today, this yeah. time in era. You know, um, that's what we need. And um, again, like I said, kudos to you know to the you know to the organization, and kudos to everybody who worked on the project, and kudos to Victor Casal because he you know uber uber sweetheart and just very knowledgeable, just very open, and he definitely has a passion for inclusion um, and diversity, and was awesome to work with and. You know, it was just, it's just been a wild journey. And I actually was just at a conference um, last week and still talking about the Colors of the World story. So it's just awesome too, like how many people, you know, are inspired by the story and how it came about. And not just, not just about the product beer, but even like 
how did you come up with the idea? Like, it's kind of like wanting to understand how I came up with it, right? Like, how did you mm-hmm. come up with it? Mm-hmm. How did mm-hmm. you go to the organization and kind of stand up for this? And so that is, like I said, it's just been uber humbling and just, just a blessing to bring this to the world. It's just going to be around for like another, what, 20, 30 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so it's just crazy that, you know, that I was able to do that. So I'm just honored and just extremely humbled by that. And what has and, that meant for I'm sorry. kids? Like what has been the yeah. feedback that you've heard from children, from families? Oh it is, I mean, just outpouring of, I, I can pick up a box of crayons and find my color. And I, this is me and just holding up their photos and just these big smiles. And this is me and just pointing, this is my color. My color is, you know, medium deep almond. And that's another thing that we did is that we did not name the crayons like Purple Mountain's Majesty or Macaroni and Cheese or Robin's Egg Blue. I mean, we have some really beautiful, I mean, that is very much in the, you know, Crayola DNA. Um, They have these beautiful descriptive names, but we wanted, again, back to authenticity. And so we did take, um, you know, a lesson or a head nod from the beauty industry and we named realistic names. So you'll see like medium deep almond. So there we leveraged the three undertones of almond, rose, and golden. And then you'll see like a light, the colors go from light to deepest. So again, leveraging that from the, from the beauty industry as well too. So we, again, back to that authenticity, how are you going to find your color? If it's mahogany, what color is that? <laughs> like, what does mm-hmm, that mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kids to be able to, exactly. Like what is Sienna, burnt Sienna? What is that? It's a beautiful color, but what is that? What is, how does that translate to a skin tone, right? Whereas, you know, light, deep rose. You, right in your head already, you're like, okay, light, you know, light, light rose. Okay, that's a light kind of pink. You're already in your head kind of seeing yeah. the color, right? And then you're already comparing it to your already like, okay, is that me? No, I'm more, maybe I'm more of the almond color. So you're already narrowing down kind of your color. So to be able to f- take a box, to go from a box of crayons where your color wasn't there, right? And you're, you know, you're, you're trying to make a color work. You're putting crayons on top of colors on top of other colors to now you have a box of crayons where you're like, oh my gosh, there's like three or four colors that look like me. And so that is representation. And so to see kids just being able to find their color, not only their color, but their mom's color and their dad's color and their brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters' Mm -hmm. colors, they feel back to your point about representation, like to see themselves in their drawings is, is, is invaluable. And every child should have that experience. And, and and now they do, please. (laughs) I was gonna say now they do. And now they do. Right. And now they do. Mm -hmm. Now, was there any time that there was any pushback? And I don't mean from the company, but maybe from, um, through marketing. Um, was there any, a time that, that, that family said, I don't like this idea. Maybe were families that were less diverse. Um, well, let me just say white families. I I think, I, I think what what we what we made sure that we had to keep doing even you know even in, in early on even for me right which was this is not a diverse product this is not a product that is for persons of color this is a product for everybody so if you see that box there is light like i think there's like extra light rows that is you know that is that represents everybody those 24 colors represent 40 global skin tones so the key word there is global. Everybody is in that box. Okay. Everybody's represented. So not just, it's representation and making sure everybody's included, but 
the keyword there, the keywords there is everybody's everybody. Included. Right. Exactly. Everybody that's the key phrase. Is everybody is included. Everybody's included. And so we, that's one of the things that like, even in a building, right. You would get caught up like, Oh, you know, it's close of the world. And because, because of it includes those that have been missed, have been missing, right. Or not represented. Yes. Correct. But it's not a product just for that group It is making sure they're included, making sure everybody is included. So back to that principle of inclusion, everybody is included mm-hmm. in this box. Everybody, even those that have been historically left out. And I asked so, that question in particular because, mm-hmm. you know, the world does that, right? Why do you need yeah. this? Why do we have yeah, to oh, have yeah. that? Like everything was fine and before. Yeah. And so that's the reason yeah. why I asked that question because I think yeah. that's important yeah. for people to understand. Like, this is not about leaving, this is not about leaving people out. This no, is about making sure everybody is in. <laughs> and making sure everybody's in, right? And you are going to have those individuals, right? You're going to have some, you're always going to have somebody that says, why do we need this? Like that's, you know, that's now that's now that's prejudice, right? We it right. was some of those comments, but zero, literally, it was like 0. 0.00000, right? For the most part, for the majority, I would say nine 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 point. 99.999999 of the percentage of feedback that we got was this is awesome and we love this and that's you know, great that's with. you know I'm, that's what I'm rocking with that's what it is and when you have a campaign that you know kids are telling you that they're, they're writing in they're doing social media posts and they're posting back and adding Crayola with their kids with the colors and they're telling us stories about we're not asking for this they're telling the brand um, how important this is, you know, for them and their kids and their families. Um, that's, uh, that's huge. You're taking time out of your day to post and tell Crayola how, you know, you're leveraging these crowns or how it made your family feel or how it makes your child feel. That to me is invaluable. That's, that's success right there. Like this, don't throw the business results, you know, over here out the window. When consumers tell you how valuable it is unsolicited, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And then the next thing that I would say is, you know, Crayola has won, I can't even, over 10, 12 different awards. We've never, you know, been in some of these categories. Um, And I just like, I just came back from a conference where Crayola won last year, um, the total market, um, total market award for the um, ANA Multicultural Marketing Excellence Awards. First time that we've ever done that. So, um, and just presenting that case. And again, people just talk about how inspiring it is and how important it is and how they're going to take the lesson back to their organization. So it is about, because Crail is for kids. So it, it is about, we are for kids and it is impacting kids and kids' imagination um, and their self-expression and their inclusion and representation. But it's also, a, it is also a story of inspiration for others to take this, some of those lessons back to their organizations so that we're hopefully driving inclusion across the board mm-hmm, globally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ways. so well, i've been making sure that i'm speaking to as many people as possible yeah yeah um, no absolutely mm-hmm. i think what i like most about maybe it's not most about it but i think what i love about um the new colors and the and it being so inclusive is that it allows children to be whatever they want to be most certainly so Accurately. And accurately. accurately and accurately. Mm-hmm. But you know mm-hmm. what? Today, if I feel like being green, you I can be. Can be. Right. And, and no I one think should that's be the beauty in the box. That. Most certainly. You can be whatever you want to be. That's that's the beauty of kids' imagination. And that's mm-hmm. really is is really prides itself on is you know, we provide the tools that fuels kids' imaginations. Right. 
whatever that imagination may be, right? We're providing the tools to help them express themselves and to fuel that imagination. So to your point, if you want to be green, go for it. But if you want to be, if you want to be, you know, medium deep almond, you can be that too. Right. Absolutely. It really depends on the given day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the kids' imagination. And the kids' imagination. And the kids' imagination. And mm-hmm. and what I create in my mind that day or in that hour. Most and certainly. I really think that being having this happen right on the edge of a pandemic. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. When kids are home and their imaginations oh, yeah. are going wild, Most this certainly. gives them this opportunity to find what they want in in a box. Most <laughs> certainly. So this Most is certainly. part of that mm-hmm. toy that is like, oh, I can do this and I can spend my days creating even bigger and brighter and more colorful things because it's right here in the palm of my hand. And that's Most what I certainly. love about this. So I think that it was, Most you know, I know you all didn't plan the pandemic, but oh, yeah. But, <laughs> But you know yeah. what? What a great time for it to have launched have and appear. Yeah, and I can tell you this too. Like, if you've not had a chance to do this, like growing up, we could not find our color in a box of crayons. We found colors that were close, yeah. right? We made and take two colors, and when you try yeah. to color another piece of crayon, right, that doesn't work too well. You know, there's some pieces that lift up, and so at the end of the day, what happens though is you look down at your drawing. And you're like, that's not me. Like, you're mm-hmm. not looking at the image, whatever. If it says as a self-portrait of you, you're not looking at that image and saying, I drew myself because it's not, right? There's, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not you. You're just like, okay, you, you drew a representative of you, but that's not really. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Take, to find your color, to go in the box, find your color and then draw yourself. And then now look down at that drawing and say, oh my goodness, you know, there is me. That is a whole different feeling. That's a feeling that generations of us have not been able to feel that kids now can do. That kids and now can do. Teachers have said it. Like, oh my goodness, I did it. Because I've not been able to do that before. So I found my color and then drew myself and was like, wow, this is, this is, this is, wow. <laughs> this is just wow. And then you just have this sense of, you just literally like you're smiling and you're looking down at the photo like, this is me. Mm-hmm. So you like this, this, sense of value from the inside being able to look down and see yourself accurately and truly mm-hmm. and authentically is important and see your whole family because we know that in black families or in we're um, different colors we're all different shades we're all different shades right so you got you got a color for you and everybody is like you said authentically them mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is my family Right. And then not somebody like a black crown, somebody's a brown crown, somebody's pink. Like, you know, no, this is really, <laughs> this is really family. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that that's that's the real, real. Like that's the beauty of it. That that right there is the beauty of it. And we've heard that from kids, we've heard it from teachers, we've heard it from parents, we've heard it from adults, we've heard it across the board. So it is being able to, you know, accurately represent yourself. I'm and sure you that feel, is a very great feeling though, Mimi. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. When you can represent yourself, you feel included. There it is right there in a the nutshell. Mm-hmm. And that is, that Vera, that is, I, there's no words for it. Like it is, you know, it is just uber humbling and just blessed to being able to bring this, a product like this to the marketplace. And so I'm just, I am just, I am so proud. And I'm sure your mom and your family were uber proud too. Oh yeah. My mom was here because we were in a pandemic. So I, 
um, caretaker for my mom. And so she was here with me. I was working from home. And so I was doing this from, you know, the house. And so she's here and she's listening to the conference calls and, you know, she's on the line and she's kind of hearing all the details and, you know, she saw it from a whole different point of view. And so I think she has a newfound respect. I think she knows that, you know, like you work really hard, but now she has a real <laughs> idea of like <laughs> how hard that really is and what that means. And, you know, she, in, intimate knowledge of some of the, <laughs> the conference calls and, you know, but um, she was here on the morning that it launched and she, you know, tears, you know, she was just, you know, she just gave me the biggest hug ever. I was just like, I am. Oh, how sweet. So proud of you like I am and that like I'm getting ready to cry now like that right there was you know I can't even like I said I can't even describe it like you know to, to have my mom to be here when that happened and, and roll out to the world and of course she's like it's so good morning America is this you know she's you know she's <laughs> where it's going and like I said just you know to to have her be here and give me the hug like you did good like you did good but I know she feels like I've done good like she as a mom has done good so hopefully she feels like her sacrifice was worth it. And I feel mm -hmm. like that was an example where she felt like I did good. You know, she did good as a mother. She did and more she, than good. And she did, she did stellar. So hopefully that was like cemented. Like this is an example of what I'm able to do because of you and give that back to her. So I, I guess, you know, that's how I was looking at her tears, but that was awesome for her to be mm -hmm. able to be here mm -hmm. when that went out into place so that was that was really awesome but yeah she was you know just gave me the biggest hug ever and so that was like the best reward right there um and then you know her just you know just telling me how proud she was through her through her tears and so that was awesome and then of course my sister was just like you know she her her support was different like yeah girl yeah girl you know <laughs> like <laughs> you bad you know it's a whole different you know whole different animal but um you know definitely my my two support rocks so that has been awesome and definitely like even you know, my line sisters and, you know, my, my sisters in Delta and just friends, just people across, like people I've worked with, just, just to see all the comments, like, I, I thought you were great. It's just great. I'm just like, wow, this is just, it literally has been overwhelming, but it has been beautiful and it has been supportive. It has been reassuring. And, you know, it, like I said, it has been a blessing to just to see that outpouring of support for the product and just for me in general. Again, I was not expecting that, but just beautiful and humbling to see. I love also, like you talk about, it's your legacy project, but I love the legacy that you have created um, for your family because, yeah. you know, your mom, mm -hmm. I'm sure, or your family in general, yeah. but your mom, you know, I think about the legacy that she has created in yeah. all of you, right? When I think yes. about the fact that my own family, you know, both of my grandmothers had no more than elementary school education. And, right. um, and then both of their kids ended up being college graduates. Um, my dad ended up with a doctorate, my mother with a master's, and then their granddaughter becomes the president of a college, right? Mm, yeah. And so, you know, and now you, you know, we talk about your legacy that you've created um, within your family, you know, because right. people had not been to college and you were the first one in your family right. to go to college, right? So, right. You, know, you talk about the, you know, what is that uh, lyric in a song, like the dreams of a slave? Well, this is, mm -hmm. this is what this is. Most certainly. And I can tell you this too, like my mom's a generational curse breaker, but so am I. And I say that because my grandmother had my mom at 20 and my mom had me at 19. And so my mom knew, you know, just looking at the, what is it, just generational curses, um, that I was supposed to have a child at 18. 
And so she did everything she possibly could to make sure that that did not happen. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I want to make sure that, you know, I want you to have the freedom to make, to have choices that I didn't have. And again, it's not that I, I don't regret having you at all, but I just, I want to break this curse. And I want to make sure that you can go as far as you possibly can. And I think to your point in that moment, um, you know, her feeling like, yeah, I did good, right? I was able to break the curse because look at what I was able to, you know, to do. So that that is was one thing too that I love to share. And then I'll, I'll also share this too, Vera. I, I had the blessing to go to Ghana back in 20, at the end of 2019, as we were going into 2020. And um, I was standing in a place where slaves before they came to America were held. Mm. And so, the journey of you know where they walked where they were captured from and the walk they had to what they call castles I'm calling them dungeons but where they were held um, as they were waiting to be put on boats um, to come to America and just standing in these dungeons and I stood where where the men were being held I I have to go back because I couldn't go I I could not emotionally go to where the women were being held because I kind of not know kind of what happened there and wasn't ready to face that yet but even being in this room and this room looks like maybe could only hold 30 people no light um knowing that maybe there were 200 slaves 200 men in those rooms um they were standing in increment of you know uh, maybe knee high in their own increment chained together um sometimes chained to others that had already passed away um one end of the room there was like uh maybe like a six by six opening at the very top and that was where sunlight came in so some of them were in, the, in that room for six months and they lost sight. And the other end of the room, same kind of, you know, same kind of opening and food would be thrown out of that box. Um, so not everybody was being fed. Um, and it was, you know, so they can fight over food and they would kind of, you know, kind of bet on who was going to eat. Mm-hmm. Standing in that room, feel despair. I could feel, and it's crazy because 400 years ago, I could feel the scare. I could feel the despair. I could feel the angst. I could feel the fear. I could feel the frustration and I stood in that room and just, I just remember just saying like a prayer and just said, I hope that you, there's some homage that I'm paying that I was able to take what you sacrificed and, and do better with it and do better with it. So hopefully, you know, your sacrifice is not in vain mm-hmm. because your sacrifice was able to open a door for me and I here I am and I'm and I'm and I'm here back where you were and your sacrifice but hopefully you know that you know just by me coming back here that your sacrifice was not in vain and if it wasn't for you I wouldn't be where I am today so that eye-opening for me as well too and just like to keep going and that was that was the year that you know later on that year was the impetus for you know colors of the world but um, I think that had a part of it too, is that, you know, we have, you know, we're here for a reason and there were those who went before us and sacrificed. And so, you know, we, we owe it to do what we, whatever our purpose is to bring that forth. Cause there are those that went before us so that we can be here today to do what we're doing to what we're supposed to be doing and whatever our purpose is. Well, what's next for Mimi Dixon? Oh man. <laughs> I'm honestly at a crossroads. I feel like I'm at a good position right now. Like I'm still, I'm soaking it in. I've been doing a lot of kind of sharing the story of Colors of the World um, with different organizations. So um, I've I've spoken at different, like maybe three or four different conferences. I've been invited to speak at 
um, different um, North American marketing meetings um, to share the story of Colors of the World. So honestly, Vera, I'm at a crossroads and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where I want to go. Um, I I'm, I do have this passion and love for diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so is that Elaine? Um, I have gotten um, a lot of positive feedback on just speaking um, and kind of sharing the story and um, providing um, insight as well as inspiration. So I'm like, hmm. And then I still, you know, have my this passion for marketing and coming up with ideas and, you know, being creative and, you know, driving an impact there. So I'm when I'm I'm taking this in as a information gathering um, and just taking a pause so that whatever that next step is, it is something that continues to drive um, passion and purpose. I feel like we're in this time now of life where, you know, it's all about just being happy with whatever that is. Like, I think we have so much of the life where we had to do what we had to do. Mm-hmm. And I now I'm going to be 50 next year. And part of that is making sure that what I do every day is driving happiness. So whatever that next step is, girl, it will be, just know that I will be happy in it. <laughs> there will be some happiness being you know, driven from it on a daily basis uh, versus like a project by project basis. That's so what I said. You're fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire and gives most you joy. certainly that is important. Yes. <laughs> so that is what's going to be next. So that is very, very important. I've also been trying to take some time, you know, back to that being happy. Right. So you mentioned, so I have a, I do have a dog. Um, his name is Miko. I've wanted a dog for 15 years, literally. And, and the cutest been- dog and the cutest dog. And, and he's very, very cute. He is. He's, he was still your heart. Like he's stolen my whole entire heart literally in like 10 months. Um, but I didn't get one because I was like, oh, I'm traveling. Oh, I have meetings. Oh, I'm never home. It was always their excuse not to get a dog. And I was like, you know what? This year I'm getting one. I deserve to be happy. Everybody, other people have dogs and they travel. I just need to make work. Mm-hmm. And all part of that moving forward and just being happy. And I can tell you this little dude, you know, he, he definitely has changed my uh, my uh, my schedule. However, he makes me happy, and so that is that's my mantra moving forward. Like to use like, exactly the mantra you just said, Miko. That's his name. Falls right into that. So personally and professionally, that's what I how I'm moving forward. You should have brought Miko to homecoming. I should have. I thought about it when I talked <laughs> to my dog there. I'm like, I could have brought Miko here. He has some cute red and white outfits. I could have put him in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next year <laughs> um yeah. now I would love to bring my dog but my dog is a Boston Terrier and she oh. is busy oh. she's busy oh so she's yeah. very friendly I mean she's mm-hmm. super friendly and um and and likes to be active and so if mm-hmm. she were tiny and I could just put her in a bag that'd be great but my dog <laughs> she has no interest <laughs> like no interest in any of that like I think it frustrates her that she's only 20 pounds <laughs> um because when she's not cooperating I just pick her up and she's like dang it so oh, yeah. she can't come to homecoming oh, yeah. right oh yeah but Miko yeah. can come Miko okay he's little he's four pounds oh and my gosh cutie pie. yeah he's a cutie but like he would be everybody would be like oh can I hold him like he would be all over the place but he likes to be held he's super active so he would, oh my god he would have had a ball <laughs> he would have had more fun than I did <laughs> you have fun so I don't even know and I have fun he would have big fun so (laughs) hilarious that's hilarious 
I asked you what's <laughs> next, but I probably should have said what's not next for yeah, what's for not women. next? Yeah, because um, yeah, what's not next? So I will. What's not next is moving. So like I said, I mentioned I'm a caretaker for my mom. So it is imperative that I stay in this area. My mom gets treatment every three weeks for her condition. Um, mm-hmm. So for hip- I won't go into what exactly that is, but um, she has a great group of doctors here. She has a system. She has a routine. So I've accepted that, you know, and I, you know, I'm the, the main person that cares for her. So that means that I'm, I'm in this area. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I also am a proponent of, I believe, you know, what's, what's yours is yours, right? So like I said, back to me just being spiritual, like whatever God has for me is for me. And so what's, what's for me will happen in this area. Um, and I, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So you will not see me moving to California. <laughs> um, okay. even in California, you know, my mom's doctors are here. And so I'm not, you know, I won't be uprooting her. So everything that happens for me will need to be in this, you know, kind of area that I can get around in New York, New Jersey, you know, Philadelphia, you know, um, and we'll go from there. So I, I can definitely tell you that. So staying here, um, what's not going to happen? What else is not going to happen? I, I think that's it. I that's think everything right. else I'm yeah, because like you said, if, it's, if, if God has it for you, it's meant for you and you alone. Then it's meant for me, right? Everything else, I'm open to. I'm open right. to everything else. I'm hey, well, you know, you never know what can happen. That's that's what I right. love about life is that mm-hmm. like a roller coaster. You know what's gonna happen, and I'm open to it. Hey, I didn't know Colors of the World was coming, and look at you know, look at look at look at look at us now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm open to it and, and welcome it. So yeah, and definitely. if it can happen in California, it can happen here too. So most you. certainly, and especially now with the world being so digital, yeah. I mean, you don't have to be in an officer. Now you can work, you know, yeah, you don't need to be. Yeah. So like I said, what's meant, what's for me is for me, where I know the plans I have for you. So whatever is meant for me will be meant coming my way. And I know that it will be, you know, something that I am ready for, that I will be driving some happiness and elevate me to the next level. And I am ready for it. <laughs> Now, if there is a young person that would like to, or, you know, get into the field that you're in or interested in Crayola, Mm -hmm. how would they go about doing that? And, Mm -hmm. and how can they learn more about Mimi Dixon? Oh, wow. Um, Let's see here. So first I would say, you know, marketing and I, and I've spoken with a couple folks. So that's another thing too. So I am on LinkedIn under Mimi, Mimi Colette Dixon. I have some folks that have reached out to me um, just asking about kind of marketing and, and different roles and, and different avenues. So I'm open to have conversations. I would just say, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'll accept your, uh, your uh, invitation and then we can chat about kind of what your interests are, kind of the best way to do that. Um, but there's many different avenues for marketing. Um, and then I would say, you know, definitely internships are very important. Just so you can get your feet, you know, foot in the door, um, and just start to understand kind of what marketing, what it entails, um, what part of marketing you like, right? You may like the innovation part of it, the product side of it. You may like the campaign part of it. You may like the advertising part of it. You may like the social media part of it. You may like the digital part of it. There's so many different parts. So mm-hmm. I think our part is kind of what what's your passion, but internships can help you with that. And then, um, like I said, I avail myself to answer some, some questions there. The good thing is that marketing is not going away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just technology. So there will always be a need for that. Um, and there's many different industries. And so there's, you know, there's farm, there's pharmaceutical, there is consumer product goods, there is, I mean, so there's many different uh, needs and avenues for marketing. So there's, there's the world is your oyster for that. Um, and then as far as learning about me, I think, again, I'll, you know, offer that up um, from a, a LinkedIn standpoint. 
Um, I my uh, my handle for Instagram is at mcolette. Um, but that's personal, but you can check it out and just see kind of what I, how I post. I really don't spend a lot of time on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just get an idea kind of what's there, but I think, you know, um, you know, that's, that's probably like, I'm an open book. So if you, if you got specific questions of kind of how did you do what, like, for instance, um, I did have a, a, one of the questions that I've been asked a lot is, um, using your voice. So um, a lot of kind of women in, in, in corporate America, like how do you know when to use your voice? You know, how do you own your voice? When do you know do you, when to use your voice? So I definitely, you know, can have conversations about that because I did have a time period in very early on in my career where I did not use my voice. Um, so I was at the table and didn't use my voice and I was validating my voice. So I would wait, I would have an idea and I would wait to hear if someone else said it first, just to validate like I was smart enough. Or yeah, I'm, I belong in a room. Or yes, you know, I, I'm strategic enough. Um, and then, you know, now that's of course not the different. Not <laughs> of course that's not the case anymore. But you know, <laughs> I do understand, you know, just being in the room and maybe being the only woman, or maybe being the only black person, or you know, maybe not having the same level of education as everybody in the room. Um, but I can tell you that it is important to use your voice. You're at the table for a reason. I think I was just at a conference recently, and I was even so bold as to say. Shame on you if you're if you are at the table and you're not using your voice. So your voice is not only your own, but it is representing those who are not at the table. So those are those who are can't even get to the table. So if you happen to be at the table, be at the table, and not using your voice, you know you're at the table where others aren't. So that's number one. And if you're at that table, you're at the table for a reason. Um, you know, use that voice even if you don't. You know, if you're scared to use it, think about those that you're representing that aren't at the table or, or can't share their voice. Like that's your role. That's the purpose. So I talk about that as well, too, and, and kind of how to use that voice and when to turn it up, when to turn it down. When you manage others, your voice is not as loud. You want their voices to be louder. So there's times now I have a team of four that my voice is not as loud because I want their voices to be louder. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm providing a platform where their voices are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So about that as well, too. So, yeah, definitely. I think probably LinkedIn is probably the best way to do that because everybody kind of has some little nuances with what their questions may be and the guidance that I say last but not least Vera would be believe in the power of you everybody has a light everybody has a purpose and I think if you allow others to steal that from you or quiet your voice or you quiet your own voice you are doing yourself and the world a disservice so walk boldly in your in you and believe in in your in your power and I said I always say this believe in the power of you well if that's not a final thought I don't know <laughs> what else could be most certainly most right? certainly you I mean believe, what else could that power be? so you can stand on it yeah you, you should be able to stand on, on that on yeah, you can you- stand on it you can stand right yeah, you on can that. Stand on it mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> you can frame it, put it on your wall, put it on your most put it on your corkboard at your office, that's, and yes. just look at it every single day. That's your cape, yeah. That's your cape. That's your foundation. That's your water. That's everything. You should be able to. You, if you do that, that you will. That is your superpower, most certainly. Well, thank you, Mimi, for sharing your journey, but also increasing more inclusive ways of. Uh, play for children of all ages and inspiring awesome. us all to be greater awesome and well, to I'm believe inspired. in ourselves 
well, I'm aspiring myself right along with you. So <laughs> I listen to my own words. So that's awesome. <laughs> we better, we better, right? I got to, we have to. Yes. Yes. The definitely. next thing I see for you is doing your TED talk. And so I'm waiting for that. So that's, <laughs> that's what I see next for you. Um, so, you know, put that on your, um, put your it on my list. Put- Put it on my to-do list. I put it on my bucket list. And when it happens, you're going to be the first person that I call. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Because I want to be in the audience. <laughs> Most of you will be the first person I call. Remember you said that? You said that. You said I'm it. speaking yes, it into did. existence. I'm speaking it yes, into you existence. Did. Yes, you did. And hey, it happens. I, I had a dream of being in uh, being in Black Enterprise. And I said, one day I'm going to do something good enough to be in Black Enterprise. And lo and behold, that happened this year. So it, it can happen. So I'm putting that on my list. Thank you. I'm so glad that you did. (laughs) Well, thank you, Mimi. And thank you everyone for joining me on this episode of the No Good People podcast. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and then share, 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 and and then share again. Until next time, I'm Vera Smith-Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. Take care, Mimi. All right. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank